0: Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. No, don't make fun of over here, it's an experimental. Freedoms that Americans enjoy are not free and can be attributed to the dedicated service and the blood, sweat, and tears of many generations of our nation's military. The military hours dedicated to the servicemen and women, veterans, and their families that have made the sacrifice to defend our constitution and country. Military service is being part of something that is greater than yourself. General Joseph Dunford, 19th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And now, it's the Military Hour with your host, Chad Wooten.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Military Hour with Chad Wooten excited to be with you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about some great topics, uh, specifically getting uh, veterans hired, what, uh, what the current um, market looks like. If you're, if you're out searching for a job, maybe a couple tips on um, ways that uh, you could prep yourself better for the interviews, uh, sell yourself a little bit better uh, to the companies, and know how to kind of target and tailor a resume. Um, I've got an outstanding guest that's going to be coming on, uh, Tyler Warren, who's a uh, Army captain, retired, um, 82nd Airborne guy. He's awesome. Uh, looking forward to bringing him on. But as always, i like to first thank everybody who's tuning in, uh, no matter where you're at, what country, or uh, where you're at if you're in the States. Know that we always appreciate anybody who has served and uh, the family members that make the sacrifice while they're deployed, and this show is aim is to make sure that we can be a voice for our community, the veteran community, me being a, a veteran myself, um and and starting to see what the ups and downs and ins and outs look like uh that can be really scary. So we're gonna touch on some topics. Uh I've got a uh a guest, as I said, who's not just a army captain and uh retired military member, but he's uh fortunate because he brews beer and today he uh he brought in some homebrew, so at this time, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my my, uh, my partner in crime sometimes, Tyler Warren. Tyler, awesome. what's up, bro? Yeah,
0: thanks, Chad. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a privilege and an honor, and uh, hopefully I can share some insights with uh, guys and gals transitioning out of the military, looking for bigger and better employment opportunities. Yeah, and that's, uh,
1: that's what we're going to be talking about today. I mean, Tyler and I are both uh, have settled in into uh, the Greenville, South Carolina area, so it's uh it, it's a great area that's very receptive um i've spoke with a lot of vets in different places of the nation um not not every city is as warm and welcoming as our city uh and uh and unfortunately and that's sad but unfortunately there's there's times where um i've heard vets in other cities really kind of being pushed away and uh not knowing how to navigate some of the channels that we help veterans navigate on a daily basis so I think we're going to take the opportunity to shed some light on that today. Um, Tyler's been through uh, a lot of things. I'll let him talk about his military service here in a second, but uh, just tasty tidbits. His, uh, his brewing company, uh, Nautic Brewing, is out here in Greenville. He's opening it up with some other vets. And, uh, so we're going to sit here and uh, crack a cold one and, and drink one of these down. This is, this is pretty good, Tyler. I, thank you
0: for yeah, you you got bring it on. know more eye. where that came from.
1: So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Where did you grow up, and uh, what was your service like?
0: Yeah, so <clears throat> I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I uh, was born and raised out there. Moved to uh, East Tennessee. My dad retired from the LAPD. He was a Green Beret. Didn't really want a whole. I didn't want a whole lot to do with the military uh, when I was in high school. And then September 11th happened uh, the year after I graduated, and uh, it was a real inspiration for me um, for the guys that were serving and the guys that were about to serve. Man, we were. I was standing in the Marine recruitment line uh, September 12, 2001, and there was about 100 people in line. And That was pretty cool for a city like Los Angeles. Uh, You would expect something like that probably in the deep south, but to see it in L.A., it was pretty special, pretty moving. So long story short, uh, my dad's from California, my mom is from South Carolina, and that's how me and my wife ended up here in Greenville, and you're spot on. The upstate of South Carolina is one of the most welcoming and, uh, you know, receptive to transition to military, which is huge uh, in the employment uh, market, like you were talking about earlier. So, um, yeah, so what happened uh, in September 12, 2001, I tried to join the Marine Corps. and A Typical uh, Army guy story. <laughs> I was going
1: to join the Marines.
0: Well, so my graduation day of my – high school senior day, my graduation day, we all decided to go out on jet skis and, uh, you know, celebrate graduation. Well, one of my buddies was celebrating too hard that day, may have had a little too much to drink, and ended up t-boning me on a jet ski, uh, snapping my leg in half about 300 meters out in in the lake. And, you know, once you see exposed bone and and legs uh, bending in directions, they don't normally bend. Uh, My, the guy that hit me saw my leg and Got kind of woozy, almost passed out, and I ended up dragging his butt to shore. Uh, got to, got to shore. With a broke leg. Yeah, with a broke leg. Seriously? Yeah, he took his life vest off. He took his life vest off, uh, thinking he could get me to shore faster, and ended up petering uh, out. Yeah, yeah. So we knew some girls on the side, on the bank of the lake, and they called nine one one. Put the vest on you <laughs> and made you
1: floaty, and then done a sea drag.
0: Hey, we were both kind of in full panic, man. Uh, yeah. When you see, you know, exposed bone and legs going in different directions. Yeah. It's, uh it's were you in salt through. water? No, we were we were in freshwater, 300 oh, meters that's, out. That's good, because that <clears throat> you'd have been like shark bait, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, long story short, I had retained hardware in my right leg, and the Marines wouldn't take me. Uh, so my mom, who was a diehard Clemson fan, and, and, and I was as well, uh, recommended I go back to school. My dad was an officer. He, he he was drafted, enlisted, went OCS, and then went Green Beret. And my dad was like, hey, man, you can kind of just do that. You You know, you probably – be more happy as an officer, probably have a bigger impact as an officer, and uh, you know have a bigger influence. So, got my degree from Clemson uh, in 2005 and joined the United States Army in '06, infantry. <laughs> there, you go, there you go. So, Tyler
1: and I have uh, a lot of similar uh, experiences, you know, in our, our time in service, and we we've, we've talked about that. You know, I was I was an enlisted guy myself, but you know, he was a grunt, I was a grunt. Um, you know, coming from 1-7, uh, Chesty's own John alone, Um, to uh, 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines. I I was in some I was in some units that have a great war history, and uh, that makes me proud. And Tyler's one of those guys that you know. Sometimes I run into in my job. Um, so for those of y'all that don't know, I work, I work at a veteran nonprofit full time. That's my job. Um, I'm an outreach coordinator, and I I go out and uh, I find veterans. Sometimes at their lowest, sometimes at their best. But uh, our organization strives to try and um, create an approach for the veteran and their family that's very holistically driven. We want to make sure that the health care is on point while we get them jobs, as well as, you know, make sure their, their housing is stabilized. We find homeless folks all the time, um, stuff like that. So we're, we're pretty good at what we do, um, and, and we have a good impact. And, and that's one of the reasons I brought Tyler on here today, because I, I run my gums enough about, you know, what I do and and my nonprofit that that I help out with, and I'm very proud to work for them. But Tyler does probably one of the most impactful things for vets as they're coming out, and that's employment. That's his full-time job. I mean, amongst many things, we all kind of wear 20 different hats because we we run around the community always helping each other. There's a lot of mutual support. Um, There's a lot of – there's a lot of camaraderie and brotherhood. That's why I love working uh, for where I work. So if you're a vet that's out, maybe you're retired, and you're just sitting on the couch not doing anything. and you think about it. Or, or if you know, you're thinking about getting back into work. If you've got a, if you've got a, if you're getting some compensation from the VA or you're retired, like nonprofits don't pay the most, but for us, it's a little bit easier to slide into and have a comfortable living because um, they don't typically pay too well. But you know, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to work where i work because every day i get to i get to see somebody's life change and that's i think tyler and i um you know we we came on crap same time together we yeah. we started out as fellows i mean um which is just kind of like a paid internship honestly and uh we both were like dang like some real good things are happening out here and i was working up at the clemson office matter of fact um for 6 months and then i got brought down to greenville and tyler and i started working with each other a little rough in the yeah, beginning a yeah, yeah. little rough yeah so Tyler and I, we took uh, uh, one of those DISC assessments where they assess your personality, and we found out that we're uh, we are like the same spot. We almost keyhole the shots on the scatter plot, and uh, so you know it's one of those things like when you meet somebody in elementary school and like you hate them at first, you get a fist fight, and then you realize like oh I just
0: hate them because they're so much like me. Like <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, no, I joke, man. I, I tell my wife all the time if it wasn't for you, I'd look just like Chad Wooten. I'm a uh... Domesticated version of Chad Wood. <laughs> yeah, I still I still run a little wild, uh, you know. No, I like it, man. You're living the dream. It's Bachelor Pat over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Running a radio show. Yeah, I mean. You, you're in a good spot, man. Yeah, they
1: say I got a face for radio, so, you know, <laughs> I hold it down pretty well.
0: But, no, I appreciate that. No, you're spot on, man. I think me and you both, we saw the impact uh, our organization was having, not just here at the local level, but at the national level. and I, And others are coming to see what we're doing. And it really starts with employment. Well, it starts with Chad finding the veteran and then finding out what he needs. But for me in my transition, uh, yeah, yeah, you could say it's the most impactful thing, but it's, it might be the most meaningful thing uh, for the, a lot of the veterans is, is finding uh, a purpose-driven mission uh, through employment. So we, we really have five pillars at the organization, five things that we've identified uh, with veterans that help with their transition, employment, housing, uh, family assistance, their health care and benefits, and education. And I run the employment services program, but it's really a team effort, man. It's uh, We've got a, a group of volunteers that help with everything from interview prep to, uh, you know, resume assistance to professional mentorship. Um, and then we have an awesome uh, group of employers that love to hire veterans. So, yeah, we're blessed here in the upstate. Uh, but there are some things out there that if you're taking notes, um, and you're, you're, you're looking for a job, whether you're underemployed or unemployed, uh, although the, the economy is booming and, you know, record low unemployment across all demographics. Uh, what we're running into here in Greenville is, um, you know, our veterans are underemployed. So they have a skill set that they don't know how to translate, which can get them more money. Um, and there's a lot of fantastic resources that you can find on the Internet. There's a lot of fantastic resources you could probably find in your local community. Uh, The biggest thing that I would encourage uh, transitioning veterans to do is uh, seek out mentorship. Build your network. Somebody told me the other day, your net worth is your network, uh, and your network is your net worth. So it's really about surrounding yourself with the right people um, that can be a good influence on you, both personally and professionally. Uh, make sure your, your social media presence is squared away. I know I know a lot of guys get on the internet and voice their opinions, especially right now. It's such a politically charged uh, environment in the United States that sometimes their social media presence uh, keeps people down. You know, that's the first thing that the HR director uh, looks at. When I send over a veteran to a local company, you know, one of the first things they'll look at is your LinkedIn. They'll look at your Facebook, your Instagram. They'll look at uh just you in general they'll google you and so it's so amazing got,
1: what you can find it, when you they
0: it's google incredible you.
1: did they do that to you in tier school they make you google Yeah. Yourself? So,
0: I, so i don't have any social media because tier school uh you know it scared me so i didn't want them to bring up my wife or my dog or my mom you know yeah, i wanted done, to keep all that out simple open source
1: searches <laughs> you'd be shocked what you can find on yourself so that's you're not wrong man well let's uh Let's back up a little bit. I wanna I wanna talk uh, I wanna talk about what it, it's like to transition out and like you and I have spoke a lot about what how tough transition was for us. But you know I, I'd like to I'll share a little bit about my transition and then I, I'd like to hear what it's like from an officer side because that's that makes that that gets me curious. You know, see if maybe maybe y'all figured something out that we didn't. You know, or or vice versa. You know, um, so. My transition out after I was ten and a half years in as a Marine. Um, I was uh, a grunt the whole time. I never did a B billet, um, so my body was pretty dang tore up. And uh, when I was getting out, um, it, it was a it was a quick it was a quick realization that not only was I losing something that I was very passionate about, because I was medically retired. You were medically retired too, right? Yep. Yeah. So you know, medical retirement uh, it it really it helps. And it, for those that aren't medically retired, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to go out of your way to figure out how to do it, but it really does. Uh, it helps to ease some of the worries that you have inherently with transition. Um, so we're fortunate in that regard. If you're not that person or you didn't, you didn't have that bear with us and know that we're going to touch on some stuff that can still be impactful for you uh, as we're going down the road. Uh, and cause we're going to, we're going to talk about this. I've, I think we'll probably talk about this for another 30, 45 minutes. So um, bear with us if it's something that, you know, you're just like, man, that doesn't apply to me. Just hold fast. I promise something good's coming. So we uh, are transitioning veterans. We are uh, given the opportunity to go to the VA. You go to the VA while you're – preferably is what they try and do uh, now to get you to go to the VA before you even, like, get your DD-214 and get assessed. So with getting that assessment, you know, it's tough, and everybody, like, so working with so many veterans, what we've learned is that Marines, Army, Navy, and Airmen all kind of come out with their own little twist on life, if you will, maybe the, the lenses that they look through. Marines and grunts from the Army don't go to sit call. Because we want to deploy with our boys. You don't go to sit call. You don't go see Doc until, unless he tells you a hey, shot X or freaking, you know, your physicals do. Come on, you know, and you're like begrudgingly go there. So we have like this this hardened, like you don't talk about your problems, right? It's a, it's a man thing. It's an ego thing. And it's a thing that used to not allow us to deploy with our friends. So we're stubborn. And what we have to do is we need to humble ourselves a little bit and just go, all right, dude here's what's really going on. My ankle hurts. If your ankle hurts while you're physically healthy, and I'll tell you, as soon as you get out, you're going to put on, it's like the, what do they call it? The freshman 14. Oh yeah. Dude, you get, I mean, freshman 40. Dude, yeah, man. You, like you, you get out and you're like, oh, I'm just going to drink beer. I don't need to work out as much anymore. And all of a sudden, like,
0: you're like, dang, maybe, maybe, maybe I
1: wasn't all right shape, you know? And, uh, well you can go from eating
0: like seven, 8,000 calories a day. Cause you're burning seven, 8,000 calories a day. And then, you know, you stop burning those calories, but you still eat the same. It's, it's, it's a tough look. It is. I'm just happy my wife hasn't left me to be honest. I mean, that's, that's, that's the truth. So,
1: yeah. Um. There we go.
0: Um.
1: So transition is, uh, is one of those things as you, as you jump into it, you think, you think that people have, that have guided you uh, towards some things have, have some good insight and you're like, okay, but you're still, you're still blind and it's, it's scary to go into something that, you don't understand. Um, and truly a lot of us don't want to put up with it. It's you a lot of folks that are getting out. I've noticed they either get out with a grudge. Like I really, I, I feel like I've been wronged and I need to get out because this is not a conducive environment for me. Respect that. Got it. Uh, know a lot of really good dudes that retired for family reasons and stuff like that. I respect the hell out of that. Um, I didn't have an option. I was forced to retire. Um, so that was something that I didn't really, I didn't really, uh, Palette properly um, until I was out. Once I was out, I was sitting there and um, you know living up in the mountains um, with my dog, but I wasn't I wasn't doing anything. I didn't have a purpose. And you, you struck on that key word earlier, the P word, purpose. And uh, so I, I had some really good folks looking out for me um, from the VA and some other places, and I was able to go to um, go to a transitional course, and um, I learned a lot about what I needed to do to mature myself for getting ready for transition, whether it was for my VA stuff, or if it was for my over, overall wellbeing, um, they preached, they were like, Hey, you need to find a job or go work for a nonprofit. Um, so I did the second and that was when Tyler and I got on about a year and a half ago, uh, up at upstate warrior solution as, as fellows, as I said, um, Fellowship programs, for those that don't know, they're they're really good programs. Um, you can find them through Team Rubicon. Um, there's actually fellowship programs if you're if you're like a Marine Raider um, or a Navy Seal and you're getting out. Um, the Honor Foundation. Um, we've we've met quite a few dudes that have come through there. They've been very successful. Mission continues. Mission continues. Yeah, yeah there's there's all kinds of stuff. Just with a, a quick Google search, guys, like uh, you know nonprofits near me or what's around, and it, it's a cool way to kind of start exposing yourself. Towards those veterans, because it's like my counselor says, it's like, dude, you you work every day at a veteran nonprofit. You're kind of reliving a lot of your military stuff and not letting some of the stuff go that other veterans are having to let go. And I'm like, well, that's true, but I'm comfortable. <laughs> I'm okay with that right now. You know, um, this isn't a forever job, but I'm I'm comfortable where I'm at and I'm not ready. Honestly, I mean, I'm not ready to go out into the workforce. I, I, I'm, I'm getting you there, man. I know. I'm. It,
0: it takes a lot though. We got to clean up your Facebook. no you're good man so yeah my transition it's, it's very similar to chad's um i was in robin sage in the q course uh tore my achilles ended up having surgery on my achilles but in that process you know i was like you know i'm gonna be getting these mris and you know in the infantry you can wait for an mri for six months yeah and so i was getting an mri of my achilles and i said hey why don't you take a look at my back and they looked at my back and they said, yeah, you're done, man. You can either, uh, you can change jobs, you can get out. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do anything else other than infantry stuff. So I decided to get out and I went through the med board process. It took me about six months, man. And every single minute during those six months, I was preparing for transition because I had a wife, I had a mortgage, um, I had people dependent on me. I had a future I was, uh, you know, looking forward to. And so I spent every minute of that transition working on my employability. So they say it's about for every $10,000 you expect in your annualized gross salary, it's about one month for every $10,000. So if you want a $60,000 job, it's going to take you six months to plan, prepare, and execute that, that job. So I knew that going in. <clears throat> And I felt good about it, everything from my resume to professional reading, build, building my business acumen, all the things that it takes to successfully transition. Um, you know, I, I had great mentors around me, which which helped guide me through that process. And I tried to really, it sounds selfish or a little bit self-centered, but I really sought out kind of the richest dudes around me. If you think about it, rich guys just don't happen unless you live in Hollywood and and, and those clowns stumble into Millions of dollars, but for the for the blue collar guy out there earning millions of dollars, there's a concerted effort on their part to 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 get to that point. So I started surrounding myself with with wealthy people, and then learning from them. And then my first day out of the military, my last day in the military, June 10th, uh, 2013, was my first day at Johnson and Johnson uh, selling medical devices. So there was a lot of energy and effort and sacrifice from my wife and my family to get me to that point, but, uh, that was the end state. So I had a great transition, but I know that doesn't happen for everybody. And that's why I'm passionate about what I'm doing now is, is helping the guys that don't know what it takes to transition. Um, so I guess that's why we're here today. Yeah, it is. It is exactly.
1: So Tyler and I, you know, Tyler walked in different shoes than me, but we've, we've, we've kind of climbed on similar paths, if you will. So as we, um, as we talk about transition and, and what the keys for success could be before we get to employment, I, I think that um, making sure that you go into the VA mm-hmm. uh, with, a, with a sound mind and the ability to humble yourself and say, hey, <clears throat> this is hurting. I can tell you if something's hurting right now,
0: In 10 years, it's going to hurt way worse. I avoided the VA for the first three years when I got out. Yeah. I didn't want anything to do with the VA. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody has these horror stories about the VA, but. Wow. I didn't know that. It really is so dependent. Yeah. The first time I went to a VA was here in Greenville. With Stacy? Yep. Dude, that's that's why. But it's huge because you have a government agency at the local level. They've tried to rebrand it and call it the community. Outpatient. Yeah. Yeah. The CBOC. Yeah. The community-based outpatient clinic. Yeah, there you go. The CBOC. So. They've tried to take a federal uh, institution and make it local, which is exactly what it should be um, because let's not kid ourselves. World War One, World War II, um, you know, Korea, a lot of those guys were coming back, transitioning from the towns that they were born and raised in, that their families were born and raised in, that their mom, their dad, their aunts, their uncles, grandparents, they were all from that same area. And so when they came back, there was an, a natural transition for those guys. So, If it was Aunt Peggy providing a vehicle when Johnny got back from Korea to go get a job at Uncle Joe's to, you know, living with, uh, you know, brother Bobby, uh, you know, in a a studio-style apartment or above the garage while he transitions back. Like, that was a real thing, And, and pretty much because of our transient society in the United States, which is a good thing, I think. Um, we have affordable transportation now, which is nice, right? I can fly to California back and fi- for 500 bucks. You couldn't do that, you know, 50 years ago. So you have to take the good with the bad. But right now, the the VA is trying to be that transition, that family transition that the guys from World War One, World War Two, and Korea were experiencing when they got back. You're not, yeah. And we've. And we've, we're blessed to have Stacey Reeves, yeah, uh, shameless plug for her, yeah. at the C-Block here in Greenville. But really, reach out to your local VA and see how effective they are. And if they're not, then you need to write your congressman yep. and make the VA go away. Because, in my opinion, uh, a lot of the services that the VA provide can be done better by private health care. Yep. But that's a whole nother, that's yeah. probably a whole nother conversation. Yeah. I and mean, we can go into that <laughs> one
1: deep, man.
0: I'm, yeah. I, I met with. Uh,
1: with Secretary Wilkie um, to talk about what Greenville is doing different. Um, And uh, Secretary Wilkie is the secretary for the VA. And uh, I got to say, the dude's probably one of the smartest dudes I've had the privilege of sitting in a room with. He was, I mean, he's a smart, we saw him speak in Atlanta, at the symposium. And I mean, he's just, he gets it. He does. And he cares. And I mean, he's a former military officer himself, like um, intelligence side. I mean, he's, he's done some, he's done some cool stuff and he's, he's, worked in government long enough he knows how to navigate it in my in my brief assessment of him um i think he's really i think he's really intellectually sound and he cares and i think that if we're going to have an advocate for us we need somebody like that well it starts with listening to the veteran man and, and that's exactly what he's doing yeah now. but so i go to sit down with this dude and he's like okay we got senator graham's office here we got the mayor here we got chad and then we got this dude from freaking columbia that was just a waste of space <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the secretary comes in you know he's got his his wife with him and and a like a military officer like a pretty high level one too that carries his briefcase and uh this dude comes in and he's like uh oh god there's the vet. He's gonna accost me. That's the guy. He's gonna tell me about how many uh, friends, how many of his friends I've killed. And I, like, here it comes. You got a reputation, man. Oh, well. Okay. So that's a local reputation. He doesn't. He doesn't know. He hadn't. He hadn't seen Chad off. Off Hinge. I was. I was pretty good at the meeting actually. And uh, but he. He literally wouldn't make proper eye contact with me. He was like side eyed, like, ah, when's it, When's he gonna berate me? When's he gonna do it? Here it comes, you know. And uh, so I opened up with, hey, sir, you know. So I speak down in Atlanta and like really appreciate you. And he was he was laughing. He was like, Oh well dang, I opened up this conversation with the same joke I opened up there. That's bad on me. I'm like, dang, you got a good memory, dude. Like that was months ago. Yeah. So he uh uh he right off after that he he kinda let his guard down a little bit more, if you because he I mean, dude, I can't imagine flying to different cities every day and just being told how garbage my organization is and caring. And that's the thing. Like, if you care about something, you want it better. Yeah. So, but he, he's got to wade through all of the, there's still pent up cases from Vietnam vets that have, been, have yet to be resolved, you know? So he's got to tackle that, the the forward movement of future vets coming home. One of the things that I love that he said, um, speaking specifically about infantry guys, he was like, we're looking at a VA, we're looking at a veteran from a retirement perspective that is based off of the air force's, like standard twenty year retiree from the military. You're supposed to after thirteen years have like a you know a higher level job where you kinda do more desk work and then you slowly you know, the the older and more senior you get, the more time you're in the office, not in the field. And uh you know, so there's a progression there, but for he he said specifically, he said for Marines and grunts, we age two times faster than the average veteran. Oh yeah. But, but we're still I I every morning it. when I wake up, I live and and I yeah. look in the mirror.
0: Yeah. Ten years, I'm like, damn, dude, it got me. <laughs> stretch
1: the back, pop the shoulder. All right,
0: we're good. It's a yoga routine before I even make my coffee.
1: It, dude, you, whew, yeah, I am a unabashed stretcher. I stretch randomly in meetings. I will get up out of my chair if we've been sitting for more than an hour and just stretch it out. And I'll, I don't care who I'm sitting with. But back to Secretary Wilkie, he was, uh, he was, he was really receptive and genuinely had ideas and he was like why you know we need to we need to look at that as far as the you know those the grunts that are getting out being hurt i mean hurt way faster than the 20 but we're not looking at them for retirement he's like that's that's not a fair system but how do we peel that back and he so you can see that he's trying to forward think and he's trying to come he's up a with a visionary that. he is man he's brilliant dude and uh, i i mean from his from his he was the keynote speaker at the thing down in Atlanta. I mean, he spoke for what, 30, 45 minutes. And it was, you're like, wow, okay, this dude's holy crap smart. But then like sitting in the room with him, you, you really, you, you get that, that feeling like he's just a calm, cool, collected professional that wants to do right by the vet. So we're, you know, we're talking about how we can outsource some of that small healthcare stuff, you know, and, and get Greenville health systems uh, to help out with the VA clinic. That's right across the street you know, some of their patrons, let's, you know, let's go back to what was the VA founded on? The VA was supposed to be for people coming back with war injuries, and they were supposed to be the entity that took care of the war injuries, right? Guys coming back with mustard gas poisoning from World War One, stuff like that. Like, you, like, those are specific things that hospitals out in, you know, Kansas somewhere don't have the medical staffing or technology or science to, to tend to these folks. So they started a a, a program that would help out, and you know, it ended up morphing into the VA. But the VA that we have now is completely different because war has changed, and the injuries have changed. And we're not just seeing the the amputees from the IED strikes from Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, you know, Syria and northern Af- uh, northern Africa, and all over um, out in the Philippines and everything. Like they're not just seeing those guys; they're seeing coughs, colds, sniffles, sneezes, mumps, and bumps. And oh, by the way, they still haven't answered the Agent Orange crisis, right? like so I mean what like that's where we sit, but we're expecting them to be able to provide just general health care so let's let let's let the the community shoulder some of that weight, and that's what Greenville's doing different, um, but Tyler and I are, are really trying to to be part of the change and be part of uh, the voice because a lot of what needs to be done is education. Uh, and and understanding for for what for what's going on, because you're your own advocate now once you're out. When you get out, that's the thing they don't teach you. They're like, yeah, this is how to talk to the VA. But they don't
0: tell you you're your own advocate. So Yeah, so I see that in employment, right? A lot of yeah. guys have a hard time in their interview process going from we to me. And oh, right. So, you know, everything that you did in the military, Chad, was team-based? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> was unit-oriented? Yep. Yeah. And so these guys, they'll get into an interview, and I've seen it. I've done interview prep with guys, and I was warned of this. Um, but people say I have an ego, so I didn't really have a problem with saying I. Yeah. I accomplished. I did this. Yeah. But a lot of guys in the interview process, man, back to what Chad said about being your own advocate uh, in the interview, and I, I keep going back to the employment piece. Chad, I know we're going to talk about employment at some point, but yeah. um, and so this beer right here has got lactose infused into it, so it's going to give it a little sweeter taste. Okay. We'll talk about the beer here in a minute.
1: Good thing I'm lactose intolerant.
0: <laughs> it gets cooked out, you're fine. Oh okay, cool. <clears throat> so
1: it, it tastes good. But it's good in, beer. Good job, Noddy. Good man.
0: Well, we found a guy down in Columbia that has a Columbia, South Carolina? No, no, Columbia with an O. Oh. Oh down there. Yeah. Oh, real Columbia. Yeah, real Columbia. Okay. Uh um, so he we we met him at the Clinton NBA program. He said, Hey man, why don't you make some beer with our coffee beans? So now we're getting a little, a, little, a little alcohol and a little caffeine ah, right, all in the same drink. I do feel better. Do you like that? I do. I like that. It's Perfect. a good, good sensation. Good, man. Well, that's the point. But back to the interview and what it takes to be an advocate of yourself, whether you're the VA, uh, whether you're talking to some stranger on the elevator, or whether you're sitting in an interview with, you know, a panel-style interview with 20 people peppering you with questions, your ability to sell yourself is going to be huge uh, in your transition back into the civilian world. I know that when I was getting out, a lot of my buddies that were in the military, and I still speak to them today, and they're all out, but I was the first to get out, and they all asked me, man, Tyler, what are you going to do when you get out? Aren't you scared? What are you going to do? Have you taken any classes? Have you studied this? Have you studied that? Have you read whatever? Fill in the blank. And I said, you know what, guys? Like, we're the 1%. Everybody else is working in the civilian workforce. The other 99%. So when people were freaking out and saying, "Oh man, what are you going to do when you get out?" I'm going to say "I'm going to do what the other 99% do." And this was in 2013, the economy wasn't super great, but with my planning and my preparation, it was an easy transition for me. But I understand that it's not that way for everybody, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like I, I don't know, help me out with this. This is
0: I, this is just Chad going off the cup,
1: but I kind of feel like there's three there's three types of vets that we see, right? You've got the dude that, hey man, usually the family is the biggest driving factor for this type of transitioning vet. It's the dude that got out and is like, you, I got a wife, I got a kid, I got a job, I dress like a normal person in the city. Yep. Like I am. You would you you would have a harder time recognizing me except for the way I walk, talk, and act, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly. But right. if you were just doing a snapshot of somebody, you looked at a picture of them, like there's you, yeah, and then there's there's the other guy that is the – I'm wearing my I Served hat, and I've got my pins, and
0: I've got the – Hey, don't pretend like you're not that guy if you're out there. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: take off the O.D. green shirt, bro. And, <laughs> Your uh, cargo shorts. Hey. We'll I, talk about I, it. Yeah, of course, I got cargo shorts, man. I in, in, I, in
0: an interview? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, no,
1: this is not an interview. I'm just talking about transitioning. That's yep. the three types that I see. Yep. I see the dude that transitioned pretty smoothly, and he's got his shit together. Then you got, then you got the dude that's like –
0: hmm,
1: I am going to wear my hat, I'm going to wear my cargo pants, like you said, you know, I'm going to wear my Marine Corps boots. And that's fine for a little while, man, but put that away. Like, wear that to the VA, you can chum it up, you know. But when you're coming up to an employment person or you're out and about in town, dress like they do, like, do, do as the Romans do. Dress the way they do. Try and assimilate yourself into that society. We're indoctrinated and inoculated into a culture and a society for a decade for you and I, yep. 10 years, dude, that's a lifestyle. It's a way of talking, thinking, acting, dressing.
0: My entire twenties.
1: Right. My, yeah, all of the, mm-hmm. when my buddies were partying in college, I was in Fallujah,
0: that's like right.
1: legit, you know, like I was 20 years old and had more responsibility now than some of these guys that are getting out that we're helping out. They, they have more experience through leadership than they know how to even articulate. And that's, I think, where some of this verbiage is important. But you've got to be able to put yourself into the right space. So the third type of veteran that we see is the guy that's—he's a vet, he's out there, and he's disassociated himself from the veteran community. Yep. He, that's the that guy. That, that's the guy that is. Well, you're more of a like, professional. Like you've kind of, you kind yep. of got it figured out. But it's the, it's the third guy that I really worry about the most okay. because he's disassociated himself with the image, the ideology, the lifestyle, and he's like, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a liberal arts degree because I want nothing more to do with war, I've seen right? That. Yep. So okay. you've got the, you got the dude that loves war, still wears his moto stuff, you've got the business professional that's making it work, and then you've got this third guy. He's the guy I'm more afraid for yep. because that's the dude that's sitting in the back of class hating life, not speaking out because he's just trying to do what he thinks is right because he's just acting the way everybody else does you've still got to be able to freethink, think and you've got to be able to assess your environment just like we do. But one of the things that I've had to put away and you've had to help me with this is I got out and I was still in friend or foe mode. You were either my friend or I hated you. Yeah. Like there's no, like if you came to me and and you were not, I didn't know you, you were not like introduced to me properly. Like I you I put up I put up a barrier, right? We learn to do that to keep ourselves safe overseas. Yeah, it's a def- it, I mean no, but it's it's offensive it, with, to these people. Like they're like, What's wrong with that dude? Is that guy the crazy guy? It's like no, no, no I just want to
0: be left alone. It's a defense mechanism and um, you know, my mom, she's the most nice she's the the nicest lady on the planet. Never heard her cuss, never seen her drink a drop of alcohol and she loves the Lord, man. Her heart she built a business around giving back to charities. It's incredible how um, giving she is. But right before I left for my first deployment in Afghanistan, back to your point about, you know, being a defense mechanism, how you see things black and white in a binary society, the way we're wired in the military. My mom being around my dad, I guess, it clicked in her. She said, when I was getting on the plane, she said, everybody's guilty. (laughs) I was like, Damn, mom, Uh, that's that's intense, and it gave me a lot to think about on that fourteen-hour flight over to Afghanistan, right? But uh, she said that you know, in in a defensive posture, everybody's guilty. Assume the guilt of the other person to keep yourself safe. I think that I think that's what you're speaking to. Absolutely, that's wow, that's impactful. That's cool. That's how I treated it. That's when you've met my mom. We, my buddy, just like my buddy said over in Afghanistan, he's got cold purple hearts and, and a war hero. He said, "When in doubt, dump a mag." Right death blossom dude (laughs) better be you know judged by 12 and carried by six like that's a cheesy thing to say no but it's real
1: it's absolutely real so i got asked by one of the courses that i went to they asked the the director uh mark he's like so what do you do that's different man like something's different about you in the way that you're you're looking at the world and your transition is going and i said well, Mark, because um, all, all of my buddies that I went to School of Infantry with and boot camp and all that stuff, man, they got out after we had, We had three three really fast deployments back-to-back-to-back to back to back in a four-year period. And, uh, you know, uh, most of my buddies were like, I'm done, dude. I'm done. We'd done two to Iraq. Um, and then the Afghan deployment came up. I tried to get on the Afghan deployment, but my wife had just left me and you know so that was like that wasn't going to happen and uh because my first sergeant was like no dude you need to go home and try and settle this up i was like hell no dude i need to go to i need to go to afghanistan he's like i don't think it's what's best for you thank god i had some really good leaders that looked out for me but like getting back to the transitional part you you don't realize how much and i had a, a really cool counselor tell me this he's like dude what happens if you step on an IED, or you're in a patrol and your buddy steps on an IED? And I'm like, you do this, 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 this. You know, calling the birds, like nine lines, blah blah blah, get them out. And he's like, what do you do after that? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, where do you go? And I was like, you continue the mission. He's like, right, okay. So you just rolled rattled off the SOP for what happens during someone dying. When do you grieve that person going away? When do you do you ever sit there and think, well, what if it's me next? I was like, no, dude. If you do that, you're Put, you're putting yourself in a bad spot, you know? And so he's like, exactly. You have you have 10 years worth of a sack full of crap that you haven't grieved about, and you're about to step into transition. You better start doing it. His words to me were, you got a pillowcase on your pillow. Like, you better cry it out. And he's like, change your pillowcase. I was like, okay. So I, like, went home diligently. I'm like, all right, Doc said I got to cry. So I'm, like, sitting there. I'm like, I'm going to cry. Okay. Come on, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> Oh, cry, come on, like, hey, get the demon out, <laughs> nothing happened, I'm like, well, that didn't work, one day I'm walking on the beach, I got my dog, and um, I just broke down, and I, I didn't know what it was. it was, it was, I had never, I hadn't felt that emotion in so many years, it was, it was wild, so there's things that as military dudes, that we're not grieving, we're not, we're not thinking about, we're not talking about, we're, we're keeping ourselves in a point of safety, and that's keeping yourself in warfighter shape, ready to rock and roll and yep. you feel like you have a purpose that can that's a global impact. And then when you get out, you don't have that. So you got to find you've got to find a way to find your purpose, whether it's giving back, whether it's going to work or or just figuring out how to be a good dad at home for a little bit, man. Take your time. Um, that's I kind of you had a great plan, you executed it thoroughly. I was like, I'm good at winging it. I'm just going to wing it. I got out, you know, lived up in the mountains for a while and like but until I found upstate worry solution i wasn't I'm, i didn't have a purpose and so let's roll into the uh let's roll into the employment piece i'm yeah. I know you've got some some great stuff on this so what does your employment piece look like as far as uh how you get veterans employed what the veterans look like when they come to you and how you adjust them before they go out the door. Cause yeah. I know you do that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and what does it look like from uh, the hiring side? Like, so the Michelin BMW, like all these groups that were around GE that you're going to and propositioning to get veterans yeah. over to what are some of the things they're saying, seeing and, uh, and
0: articulating to you that our, our listeners could benefit from. Yeah, no. Yeah. Great question. Um, that's a deep question. It is. So, Take your
1: time. We got time.
0: I I'm, where do I begin? Yeah. It's what somebody says like uh it's like a mosquito at a nudist colony, man. Where do you start? <laughs> so <clears throat> uh I just I I think it for me the employment piece solves so many other issues, Chad. I mean whether it's health care, um, you know, your your family situation, your financial situation, um, it, it fixes your transportation, it fixes <clears throat> Your marital status, a lot of times the women or the men, the spouse of the veteran, are disappointed that they're not making as much, their health care is not as good, there's a lot going on behind the scenes uh, that employment can solve. So for me, as a believer, like, humans' first job on this planet was gardening, like, get your hands busy. As a guy, as a man transitioning out of the military, if you go home and collect a disability check on your couch in front of your kids, that's, what genera- that, that's generational welfare. That's generational poverty. That's generational dependency on the government. And that's a bad look. It's bad for your mental stability. It's bad for your kids' work ethic. All of that plays into your ability to go out and prove yourself in the civilian workforce. So I challenge these guys. A lot of, a lot of times it's a phone call. It's a tough phone call. I give my cell phone out because I want to have this conversation. I welcome it. Um, I've I've talked a couple guys out of taking Social Security disability <clears throat> when you can make 1,100 bucks a month on disability, or you can you can have uncapped earnings every month if you come off of Social Security disability. So to me, any any type of handout from the government is um, you know uh, it strips a man of self-reliance. So when you become dependent on on the government or 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 a paycheck that you didn't earn. There's no glory in that. There's no honor in that. And it's hard to find purpose and meaning in life if you're dependent on somebody else. So I would encourage you, if you're out there chilling, I got it, man. Take your time. Transition. Get your head right. Because even me, when I was transitioning, you know, I picked my boss. To me, that was the biggest thing. I picked my boss to help me transition. Not my job, not my, you know, not the company that I work for, but my boss. Because at the end of the day, my boss could shield me from the crap that is associated with the company, the crap that's associated with the job itself. And so I picked a military guy that could, and he was a ranger, so he could see me through this transition. And he had many opportunities to fire me, Chad. Yeah. Like from me yelling at, you know, male nurses to getting pissed off at people that had, you know, nothing to do with what I was trying to accomplish at the job. Yeah. Um, you know, he sheltered me from a lot of that. So I would encourage you, if you're out there right now looking for a job, find the boss. Find the person that you want to work for. Find somebody with similar life experiences because, to me, you could have a crappy job and a crappy uh, employer, but if your boss is a good dude, you'll enjoy what you do.
1: Well, that's like where, you you know, you say it often, but... When you're, when you're job hunting, a lot of us, it's really easy to say, okay, I like this product, so I'd be willing to go work for them. But what we don't do, and, we, you know, you go to their website, oh, wow, this is professional, they're probably a good company. If that's as far as you're digging, you're not digging far enough because you need to be searching for a culture because you need to be able to fit into that culture. So if you're if you're looking for a job, I would challenge you to – not just look at the website, but find out what side programs they have. If they're somebody that is helps out with uh, philanthropy in the community, what projects are they dialing in on? That will give you a good snapshot of what their intentions are uh, from a higher level and where, where their energy goes towards. And I think that's really important. You're, you're the one that showed me that. Yep. And you can do that via just looking on their social media. I mean – Facebook, Instagram, if the company's got one, they're probably repping something. They probably got a social media dude that just sits there all day and just, like, answers back on tweets. Like, just find out what the culture looks like. Some of our best uh, employers in the area, they said that, you know, they're they're a little bit more blue-collar. They're, they're actually medical, uh, combat medical sales, but they uh, they said that what helps. Uh, the HR girl, uh, Anna, she said that one of the things that helps the most is when somebody just comes in and goes, "Hey, I was just wondering if I could get a tour of the place." Yeah, because they come in and that means they're curious. That means they're searching out the business yeah. to see how they work. What does it look like inside? Is it is it kept well? Is it does it look like the people are happy inside? If you walk in and everybody's pissed off, that's probably a good indicator.
0: So, hey, and and companies are out there. They're competing for veterans. They want to hire you. There's a labor shortage. There's thousands of open positions just here in the upstate. Sell yourself, but be competitive. Make yourself marketable. You know, create a competition between employers because what you'll do is you'll increase your salary, increase your benefits, uh, and increase your opportunities for uh, upward mobility. So I would encourage every veteran to, like Chad said, man, you got to have a good professional fit, but more importantly, a cultural fit. Um, and find out through there's plenty of resources glassdoor.com mm-hmm. will yeah. give you a behind the scenes look, use LinkedIn man what a valuable resource and if you're a veteran and you're trying to use LinkedIn you can get premium for a full year for free, for free.
1: Yeah,
0: and, there, and that gives you opportunities to <clears throat> get inside the companies find out more about them find people that work there go buy them a beer, go buy them a coffee find yeah. out what that culture is like like Chad was talking about to make sure that you're a fit there, because every culture is unique, man. I mean, Jack Welch at GE was running 10 companies inside of one company, but he decentralized everything and revolutionized uh, corporate America. Everybody wanted to be like Jack Welch in the, you know, 70s and 80s up into the 90s. But at GE, they were unique in that they decentralized a lot like the military, and the, and the, G, the GE model was hire veterans, man. They love veterans, and they still do. Yeah um but find a company that loves to hire veterans that is conducive to veterans right because there's a gray area right you want to you want to be a civilian but you've got tendencies that make you act like a veteran so you got to be careful like yeah. even when I was transitioning yeah i would say things you know i would stereotype my you know real world experiences and it's funny man like the, the civilian world is very unique In a lot of respects but one thing i found was when i was touring these civilian companies there was like a re-education to what's important in the military there's nothing more important than the tribe that you're fighting with not skin color not religion not race not ethnicity not you know background wherever you came from it didn't matter what mattered was that you were fighting with the same camouflage on as the dude next to you so when I got out into the civilian world and I was touring these places, they were like, well, you know, this is, um, this is uh, you know, women's history. They had all of these different organizations that now I had to pay attention to at the organization, and that's a good thing. But it's also something, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. Like if you're at UPS, which is a great company here in the state that's hired a bunch of veterans, shameless plug to Megan Horton, who's hired a bunch of veterans, love her. Um, You know, they have all these different initiatives inside the organization that, you know, you need to be empathetic to. Uh, Not that you need to agree with everything that happens at the company, but understand that the civilian uh, work environment cherishes and showcases things in the military that you would never even think about. Politics. Like, we never talked about politics. Did you ever talk about politics? Yes, because it impacted where we were going to deploy to. It, it, yeah, so our ROE it changed, right? I was there in '07 oh. under Bush, and then I was there in '09 under Obama, and things changed. They did, right? Yeah, it was not good. No, it wasn't. So,
1: you can't have that open conversation. So what we just said there—that's not—I don't hate anybody for that. It, I, it sucks. We had to deal with that, but we just had a conversation that
0: you don't have. You can't have that there, especially as an officer, right? You don't talk about politics, Dude. especially commander in chief. Right? Yeah. But that's all the civilians talk about. Yeah. It's politics, it's the news of the day. And you gotta get smart on this stuff, man. I moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, where eighty five percent of the population voted for Barack Obama. All right. So when I moved from Fayetteville, North Carolina in the eighty second Airborne, and I moved to Charlottesville, and every single conversation was about politics, because remember it's only an hour and a half from DC. Every single conversation was about politics, and I knew how I felt. But now I had to get smart on how to defend myself because that's all anybody ever wanted to talk about. And I was in sales, so I have to talk to these people. Right. I have to yeah, have conversation with them. I got to, to I gotta build rapport. Right. It's yeah. like going into an Afghan village, man, and talking to the local mullah. Yeah. Like I got to get to know this guy to get him on board with Team USA. Right. And Absolutely. So, and, and that's what it said. Little things like that. We got, We got to. Uh, you got to you got to get smart on how civilians interact, and and it's unique, man. And, and I'm not saying it's good, I'm not saying it's bad, but you got to be smart. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. Prepare
1: yourself, basically. Exactly. It's a hey, and that, great points, Tyler. Great points, and I mean, these are things that we don't think about, that don't come to the forefront of our mind. But like Tyler said, like you've got to realize that there's different things that are important to to the people that are going to be employing you now, that may not align with where you. Uh, where you sit But that's cool I mean just Being an adult If it doesn't Be a work a The coolest part About civilian work Is you're not on A four year contract anymore You can quit Love the free market You can quit Dude <laughs> Quit Like oh it sucks Don't Don't trudge it out For another enlistment Like no yeah, That's, nope. right.
0: that's just right Quit like, Well don't burn any bridges though No so no jump in here. Yeah, You want to have yeah. Good references That's true And talk about that Because that is That is a key point Yeah, that, yeah. That, Like that is, I said Your network right Your network is your network Yeah. Make sure that because, because you're transitioning after 4, 8, 12 years, you don't have time to bounce around from job to job. These college guys getting out when they're 21, 22, they have time to bounce around from job to job. You don't. Yep. So don't burn bridges. Build relationships and build references because that's huge. When I, when I partner with a veteran that comes to our organization, I need to first know who can vet him, who can tell me he's a good dude because I'm not going to put our organization's name behind some guy that's bounced around from job to job. He's not put in a two week notice. Right. He's been a dirtbag his whole life. And there's a pattern with these guys. You want to make sure that you don't have a reputation for being a bad employee. Yeah. And that's, you know,
1: there's going to be places where unfortunately you're going to have to cut ties with Um, just know that there are things that can follow you now that we don't really think about. It's like, I mean, if you're in the military and you get, you're in a bad spot, you get NJP, for example, man, they take some of your pay, whatever, but you still have a job. You're still getting paid as soon as your half pay is done. Um, now, if you quit there, there are repercussions. That means no cash for a little bit. Um, but just remember that there are organizations inside of uh, most companies now that are meant to be um, something that most vets wouldn't want to ever take advantage of. And that's, a lot of us have disabilities. A lot of us are jumpy. I know I get jumpy sometimes in big crowds. Like, I wouldn't call it disability. Okay, but hear, hear me out for a second. So when I was going to school, they gave me some special privilege to, like, you can sit in this preferred area during test time so that you're not stressed out. Like, companies are dealing with people that are way more feeble-minded than a veteran. So if you're having a legitimate, like, medical issue, your back hurts from standing too long. Like, there are OSHA compliance rules that most companies have to abide by, then ask for a back brace. Ask for, you know, t- let them know that you're having a, a hard time.
0: Uh, what do you do? UWS just got you a, a raisable desk? Yeah, a
1: raisable desk because I, I, I like to stand most days because of my back. So, I mean, just ask. I mean, don't, don't be overbearing with it, but there are ways that you can advocate for yourself, even in the workplace, so that it doesn't come to, I have to quit because, I can't sleep at night because of pain. Try and see if the company is willing to help you out and that they understand so that when you get to the point of fracturing and wanting to move on, you can say, well, this is why I asked for this and document everything. I asked for this, and this is this is what I needed to do to be healthy. And unfortunately, this just isn't a conducive environment for me. But you're going to have to start learning instead of military acronyms, lingo, verbiage, and uh, signs and symbols – you're going to need to start learning civilian words and how to say uh, things that are impactful, but they're passive-aggressive, so we're not accustomed to it. We're very direct people. Yeah, so, that's exactly like, right. So you got you to kind of learn to pander to these people a little bit differently. Yeah. So that's why I'd
0: encourage everybody to get a mentor. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So speaking of mentors and wh- how you were able to accelerate and do great things, let's talk about Nautic, man. Yeah. Like, let's do it. Let's do Come it. Come on. Jack B.A. Yeah. We're drinking the beer. Why That's not? That's right. Yeah. This is great, man. so comes um, to an MBA program. Yep. Um, then on to uh, opening this up. Tell me about your partners. Yeah. Uh, tell me about uh, all, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, so, okay, I transitioned from the military in 2013. I've only ever been around small business owners. Both of my parents are entrepreneurs. It's in my blood. It's in my DNA. That's what I wanted to do. I transitioned in 2013, took a corporate job, as corporate a job as you could possibly have working for Johnson & Johnson, right? Fortune 100. uh, They're in every neighborhood. They're on every grocery store shelf, they're everywhere and it's it's corporate America. It is what it is. It operated a lot like the military, to be honest. There was a bureaucracy there. Yep. And a lot of the same mannerisms and behaviors. It was very similar to the military. And I appreciated that and it was good. That's cool. It was a good learning experience. But I knew that I wasn't a long term goal of mine. Right. I wanted to be the best employer uh for veterans but for guys that don't like corporate America. So I I came down to I knew that I was lacking in business acumen, so I went to the Clemson MBA program. It was weird. I got my undergrad at Clemson and when I was looking around at um graduate degrees, I was applying to you know, I was looking at other schools, but it felt like I was cheating on my wife a little bit. It was weird, right? So yeah, I I was looking at these other schools for my MBA and it was just it just felt weird. I'm a diehard Clemson fan, always have been, always will be. So when I was looking around these other schools, it just didn't make sense. So I told my wife, I was like, hey, my family's in East Tennessee, your family's in Macon, let's move to Greenville, split the difference right in half, and I can go get my MBA at Clemson. Uh, the prof- a few professors there uh, are fantastic. And so I lucked out. I got into a program, the MBAE, which is uh, specializes in entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, so I really got to hone my skills on being a business owner a managing partner and so I met my my buddy Steve Uh, somebody told me they said Tyler when you go down to the MBA program get to know the engineers and I was like okay why is that and they said they'll make your life a lot easier and so I met Steve uh, Schofield who's a chemical engineer from Clemson he was in the MBA program we were going around introducing ourselves and he said I'm a chemical engineer from Clemson I go all right I'm gonna make friends with this guy and he goes I'm a home brewer and I'm like, all right, we're gonna be real good friends. From day one, uh, Steve and I hung out for thirteen months every day. Oh wow. Yeah, drinking beer, talking about beer, talking about build building our business, getting smart on what it takes to do all that. And uh then we ran into Brent Lindsey, who's a uh third bat third bat guy.
1: What does that mean for those that don't don't understand?
0: Yeah, so he, he was uh he was in the Ranger Battalion, third bat. He uh, got one, two, three. Uh, first bat, second bat, and third bat. He was in third bat, two-time two uh, Purple Heart recipient, and just a really overall good dude. He came to us through Upstate Warrior Solution because he's a general contractor and he started his own business, so he's got the entrepreneurial spirit in him, and it just made sense for all three of us to come together and, and build this thing. So we're about two years into this. Um, we're about to get our conditional use permit this week. That's going to be huge uh, to release a lot of our funding for building and drawings and construction. <clears throat> and we should be open up by the end of this year.
1: That's awesome. So what's your favorite kind of beer then?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, don't, I am not particular because one of my rules when I came back from Afghanistan after not drinking for six months was never waste beer.
1: Right. That's smart. So. I, I like that. I like all beer. Yeah, okay. I don't like sours.
0: Uh, it's an acquired taste. I think an IPA. I used to say IPA can go to to hell.
1: I used to not like IPAs. I I love them now. Oh, I
0: know. Because
1: I realized in my, when I was hitting my, uh, my freshman 40 that, uh, (laughs) that I put on coming out, uh, because I, you know, I took a back surgery and, you know, was, um, I was really lucky. Um, I'm not, I'm not drawn to opiates, uh, but I was on them for a while, um, for my, between my back and shoulders, they were just really jacked up and to the point where I ended up having a surgery, that helped out. A great surgeon, um, not from the VA. But uh, I told him if anybody's ever going to touch my spine or brain, it's not going to be the VA. Yeah, so be as cool. much as as much as I advocate for the VA, that's that's where I draw the line. But uh, anyway, um, opiates opiates suck. But I was also dealing with like emotional uh, emotional stuff and letting go and grieving and things that you know we talked about earlier. So it was uh, it was really tough. And, you know, I got into the bottle a little bit for a while. Um, but luckily, like I said, I'm not I'm not drawn towards uh, opiates because, man, I was I was on them for a hot minute. They just – it felt it felt like every time I took them, I would hurt myself worse because I didn't give a shit. No. That was that was the thing. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah.
0: It's not good to numb your pain or stuff. No.
1: And that's what I told them. I'm like 100% pain value. I'm the one that said, shut up,
0: nerves. I'm moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so, like,
1: you're going to take me down to, like, 70%. I'm going to go jump off the roof. Like – yeah. I did that. I jumped right. off a roof. I laid it on my truck. Right. I was like, Well,
0: I can't jump all that way.
1: They're jumping the bed of the truck. Yeah. Like,
0: but I think but I think going back to your point, there's a transition that every veteran needs to make on their own. Whether whether you're taking opioids, that's fine, man. If you're doing that to for a long term gain of getting back into the workforce or getting back connected with your family. Like go through that transition, man. I've seen it. These guys that come back from I was with the Navy SEAL yesterday and had been in since 98. He'd been on like 21 deployments. The guy was broken. Oh, yeah. And so he needed to like take two months or three months or however long it took to get his, what do you call it, headspace and timing correct? Yeah. Is that what I've heard yeah. you say in the office? You? Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay to use some military terminology yeah. at the UWS office? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> one of my favorites. I, it's can based in time. So get, I
1: can recite it. So get with, your head with a the 50 cal.
0: Hey, I'm sure the infantry dudes on this would just love it. <laughs> but I'm telling you, there's a time that you need to transition. I didn't do that. So <clears throat> I wish I would have. You know, you get out, you take a deep breath, take a knee, drink some water, man. You know, you set up a patrol base, you know, go through your priorities of work get your head right before you go out into the civilian world. I got to do it. And I highly encourage everybody to do that because the guys that come to me that haven't done that, it's, it's a red flag. These guys that got all this baggage, they're trying to, you know, that you carry that with you into your next employer. And and back to what Chad was saying, Uh, it's about making sure that you're in a good spot because you're now a liability instead of an asset when you show up to an employer. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, let's, uh, I think, I think we've got a caller. First time
1: I've ever had a caller. I think, uh, let's do it. we've got, let's see how this goes. Let's see if we can. As long as it's on. not my
0: wife. Uh, Cussing me out. Hello. Military hour with Chad Wooten. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah. Mm. Hey, Chad, how you doing? Good. Hey. Chad? Good. What's going
1: on, brother? How you doing?
2: Hey, how you guys doing? Yeah, I, uh, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, also I hope you guys start uh, brew a milk stout there because um, all that Amber <laughs> stuff is for sissies um, <laughs> sorry so I no, think you're the good. whole piece on transition I think the whole piece on transition was, was on point for sure because um, I got out a while ago and a while ago like 97 so you know I think when we were getting out or when my generation of guys were getting out, there wasn't, um, there wasn't a lot allocated towards here's what you need to do, which, you know, unfortunately, there is a war. Uh, upside to that is there's a lot of good change that comes from it. And I think that they're, they're allocating more towards what you need to do and what you need to, how you need to do it. And I think that organizations like UWS, which has been a, you know, I'm up in the upstate, so it's definitely helped me out. Um, but there wasn't that availability when I was, when I was leaving, it's sort of like, here's your paperwork, you know, have a good day and good luck. And then everything that kind of floated from, from that when I was listening to Tyler talk about networks, that's something that, you know, you don't kind of, you don't have the education when you leave. You don't get the, this is what you need to do. You don't have a mentor. So again, what you guys are saying was get a mentor is, is critical. Um, and I think that's what I got when I walked through the doors at UWS. Even though I'm significantly older than your your demographic, uh, it's something that wasn't there for me before. And having that was like was awesome, um, and it gave me a lot of guidance. And then a couple of years ago, one of my one of my buddies that's a former Army medic, um, Band Aid pusher, but he was actually in in uh for, uh, for the first push through Iraq, his best advice he got from him was be your own advocate, which is another critical thing. That's right. Um, because I'm a grunt, I'm 0331. Uh, I can't remember grunt. that number, up. yeah. So, you know, they, that whole mentality from the combat arms side, which I'm sure Tyler is the same for, for almost every branch, is sort of like the suck it up philosophy. And Chad, you guys were both right. So you gotta, you gotta advocate for yourself. You gotta adopt a new, you gotta adopt a new language, and uh, kind of be nostalgic in the appropriate places um, with the appropriate appropriate people.
1: Right on, brother. Hey, man. Appreciate you calling in. Thanks for uh, good insight. Yeah. Thank thanks for your insight, and and um, appreciate that uh, you're here in the Upstate. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna drop you on to uh, hold and take down your number so uh, we can get in contact. But I appreciate you. Um, what's your name, bro? Mark. Thanks, Mark. Hey, have a great day, brother. Simplify Hey, good in- good insight, bro. Thank, Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. That was cool.
0: Yeah. Never had one of those before. No, it's good perspective, man. I mean, everybody experiences something different, right, when you yeah. transition. There's no – you can't blue – uh, you can't carbon copy this thing. No. There's no blueprint for this.
1: No. Every it's 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 like that uh the the adage of going out to the field, every plan's good until you hit the ground. I mean it's exactly.
0: and, and Mike Tyson said it best, right? Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me the first time you get turned out from yeah. an interview. The yeah. ego blow that you do.
1: I see them in your office all the time. They're just like, Dude, I thought there was one yesterday. Every, I mean
0: everybody thinks they do great in an interview. Every single person when they come in and ask them how do you think they did they say, Man, I did great. Yeah. Well then why didn't you get the job? Yeah. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Because it's an ego thing. I got it, man. Yeah. Let's let's uh let's address some of the things that Mark talked about. Yeah. As far as um the transition piece, finding a mentor. There are things that you can do while you're transitioning. And if you're taking notes out there, write these four or five things down that me. will make you a better employee, more marketable, and increase your earnings. All right. So it starts with uh, you know, having an awesome resume, and there's plenty of examples out there. And if you don't have them,
1: there's free resume
0: stuff out there for vets. I mean, yeah, you name it, USA Jobs. jobs. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of resources. Um, but even the the private sector has gotten on board. There, now uh, Google, you can type in veteran jobs near me. Right. And, How cool is that? And you punch in your MOS, and it tells you what jobs are near you based on your skill set. And that's the beauty of the military.
1: Yes. I'm looking that up. That's <clears throat> yeah, check so this
0: cool. out. I'm going to pull up see so The, 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 <laughs> the, the private sector is all in. Okay. They want to hire veterans. The veterans don't know how to get hired.
1: That's right. And that's, that's one of the biggest things you see. Dude, we've seen guys walk through your doors that are overqualified but underdressed. We've seen dudes that are underqualified but overdressed, and those dudes get the job. That's like, right. don't let... Don't let your attire be the reason that, that you don't get a job.
0: Yeah, that's you know that's just one uh, roadblock I would I would consider. What's the
1: rule? You you dress.
0: Uh, <laughs> you, dress for the job that you want.
1: You dress, yeah, or dress almost in the military. We said always know the job one hire of you, but preferably three. Like you should know what's going on. Don't dress higher. for the job that you're in. Yep. Dress for the job that you want to have. That's it. So put on a sport coat. Like go get a haircut. I got a haircut yesterday (laughs) (laughs) because I had to. I bought my hairline. Hey,
0: that's what happens, man. It does. So, if you're taking notes, uh, here are four or five things that you need to know uh, will immediately make you more marketable. One, uh, have a squared away resume, make it clean, easy to read, fun to read, right? You don't want to be boring in your resume, have a strong objective statement and have your contact information at the top of the page. Some people leave off, you know, cell phone, their email, their LinkedIn, URL. I would have a, speaking of LinkedIn, a squared away LinkedIn. There's plenty of YouTube videos out there that will teach you how to build a a LinkedIn page. Make sure your LinkedIn is up to date and that you're connected with as many people as possible, whether it's 200, 500, 1,000. Connect with everybody you know. Send them a personalized note and get to know how to use LinkedIn professionally to help you build a resume and create opportunity. So resume, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, your interview skills. There's plenty of videos out there that teaches you the differences, the nuances between, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and walk me through your resume. Those are two totally different questions, but they sound the same, but they're completely different. What about
1: verbiage to stay away from? Is there some is there like some hot words that maybe we shouldn't say or some really good like uh throwing it out there for, you know, purpose of the interview or something, you know, some good words to adjust military terminology to to kind of civilian stuff? Yeah,
0: so we have an awesome we have a robust group of volunteers that help us do this. So the 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 veteran will come in with a resume that says Hey, man, I was a staff sergeant, United States Army, infantry. I led and trained blank number of, you know, infantrymen through blank, you know, what all military jargon. And so we have to translate that. And there are people out there that will help you translate that information. Yeah. Your fitness reports. We call them fitness reports. Y'all call them something different? Like you're, you get graded? NCO. Yeah. So we had OERs, Officer Evaluation right. Reports. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the non-commissioned officer reports. Got it. So, same thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: If you have those, if you have what whatever Tyler just said and fit reps, <laughs> uh, if you're Navy or Marine, uh, fitness reports, like the verbiage that's in there is usually really good because it's quantifiable. It's numbers. It's, hey, I led 35 Marines yes. and I was in charge of this many millions of dollars and I accomplished this during that time. That, called, that kind of stuff is great. They're called impact savings. Right.
0: So it's not only what you Uh, you know, the decision that you made, the action that you did, but it's the deliverable that you had as a result of your action. Right.
1: And then don't be afraid if they ask for a letter of recommendation, call your lieutenant, call your platoon sergeant. Like I've had dudes call me and they're like, Hey man, would you write me a letter of recommendation? I go,
0: absolutely. Why didn't
1: you have Lieutenant Muffley? Like one of my favorite freaking lieutenants ever. Like, I'm like, why don't you just call him? And he's like, well, I don't know if you'd even know who I am anymore. I'm like, dude, trust me. You guys like, I don't know. I don't know how the army runs. But I I had really good officers. Granted, I was in a platoon where all the officers were hand selected to go to. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, dude, I had some I had some great frickin' lieutenants, and those dudes knew everybody's name. Every time I talk to him, they still ask about three four of the dudes. Yep. Like, and he's like, if anybody ever needs anything, tell them to hit me up. So dispelling that, like, from what's in your mind. Uh, about get, getting a little bit of a letter of recommendation, all that stuff helps. So I just Googled uh, jobs near me for an 0331, and it filled in the MOS part on I the cool backside. That. Dude, there's 13 jobs. It That's says what I'm It says, similar to 0331 Marines enlisted, machine gunner, police officer, at Furman, <coughs> medical tech, forensic evidence technician, yep. d- deputy, Good paying jobs, man. Officer in Mount Pleasant. Uh, okay, so I'm a grunt, right? So obviously – You need do a lot of security. Yeah, a lot of security. Hey,
0: uh, hey, security first never last. Look,
1: though, I could be a – hey, I could be a Blue Bear. I could be an M.T. Uh, for the Army National Guard right next to me. Dude, how easy would that be?
0: But didn't you just get a little pay raise at UWS? Oh, I'm not leaving. <laughs> this is a, I love my job. No, no, no. So I guess to Chad's bigger point, like, there's so many great resources out there. So back to my list. Let's get to the list because I'm a list guy. I've got lists for everything. Um, your resume. That's first and foremost, whether it's digital or a hard copy. Most people are taking this digitally, so put your LinkedIn URL on your resume so people can easily look at your LinkedIn. Because that's the first thing you're gonna do. You get your resume, they're gonna look at your LinkedIn, they're gonna look at your social media. So those three things. Resume, LinkedIn, make sure your social media is squared away. Have an elevator pitch. This is huge. This Have is an a elevator pitch. Yeah, this is the first thing I did when I got out. It's it needs to sound And it needs to captivate the audience. So it's a 30-second chance encounter with somebody of great importance, whatever that is, whether it's a janitor or a CEO. whoever's important to you, you need to be able to tell your story in 30 seconds. And it's simple. It's what you've done, what you're doing, what you want to do. So it's 30 seconds of, hey, I'm Tyler Warren. Graduated from Clemson in 2005. Joined the military immediately after it. Deployed twice to Afghanistan. Transitioned in 2013. Got a great job with Johnson and Johnson in Charlottesville, Virginia. Met my wife, married her, been happily married for 10 years. Moved to the Upstate of South Carolina. I'm pursuing my interest in owning my own business. That's it, right there. That's it.
1: That's it. You're done. It's an elevator pitch. Hey, this is where I started. This is what I've done. These are my accomplishments and and success. This is and and if you are not employed or you are buy some business cards get some business cards they're really not that expensive but i promise you it looks good if you have something i have friends they're cheap they're cheap dude how much? what's it what's a book of those costs five bucks really it's that low it's that that's, low yeah so that's if you're not investing five dollars in having something in your pocket to hand to someone at a chance encounter that's in your wallet you're losing out on your network size because as Tyler
0: said earlier, your network is your most important thing that you have. Yep. Um, So that, so that leads me to my second point. So not only having an elevator pitch and I didn't mean to interrupt, but having your elevator pitch will get you um, to places that you might not know you need to be at. So whether it's a hiring event, a career fair, a party with a bunch of executives, your elevator pitch can open so many doors for you. So, resume LinkedIn social media have an elevator pitch and then talk to everybody that you know I read a study and the, um, the reason I read this study is because my mom thought I drank too much in college and I read her a study I said so you open up a brewery well I get a pay raise ah. <laughs> by not having to buy beer ah, and so my wife's all in but <clears throat> <laughs> I like that yeah I told I showed my mom a study at a it was out of Clemson, Arizona State, the number one party school in the country at the time. I think 2001, Playboy used to run a uh, top ten party schools in the U.S., and Arizona State was always number one. Well, they ran a study, it showed that the more social you are, income potential you have. It's not about your grades. It's not about what, you know, societies you were a part of or what clubs you were in or how nerdy you could get, you know, on a Friday night when everybody else is partying and that you're studying in the library. It's about your ability to network and socialize. And I said, I sent my mom that study. I said, look, mom, you want me in the library on Saturday night, but that ain't happening. Cause I'm looking out for my own income. That's good. And so I showed her, it's like, Hey, talk to everybody, you know, share your story, man. Your military experience is unique. It's 1% of the population. So, that person may never speak, especially if like you if you're in Southern California or New York City, where there's just maybe not a whole lot of veterans, that may be the only interaction that person has with a veteran, and they it makes them feel good if yep. they're helping you, but yep. you've got to let them know yep. you have to tell them what you've done in a short amount of time and make it sound captivating. You have to get their attention. I was told it's your first. 30 seconds in an interview, everybody should be staring at you like the opening scene of Star Wars. Like everybody's like drawn to them to the screen, like reading that in a in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, right. Everybody's like nobody else is looking at anything but yeah, you. you right. And that's what it needs to be. So your resume, your social media presence, your LinkedIn, your your uh, your elevator pitch. And then you're networking, man. Get out there and meet people. Just randomly go in. Well, first, through LinkedIn, find out who a veteran is at a company you want to potentially work at or an employer that you want to work for and go and talk to them, man. It's huge. Yeah, I, I think uh,
1: there, there's two big takeaways there. One of them, um, as you network uh, and, you, and you get business cards, you need to have an answer for if someone says, how can I help? And that's a, that's an ambiguous question that we, we get a lot because of who we work for, but it may be foreign to you if you ever – if someone that you kind of finally open up to, right? Because opening up to some stranger is not easy for a lot of us, but once you start socializing with it and you practice it a few times, it's okay to still be nervous. Matter of fact, it's okay to bomb your first interview that you
0: ever did. Yes, I mean, I'd encourage you to do that. I mean – Get Seriously. feedback. Make sure you get feedback mm-hmm. from the people interviewing you. Take
1: note-taking gear with you and say, this is what I've done, and blah, blah, blah. Write your stuff down. But at the end of it, you need to have the business cards of everybody who's on a board in front of you. And you need to write them a letter, right, or an email mm-hmm. thanking them for their time That's right. while you're with them, right? And these are simple things, simple kind gestures, but it's actually formality in the in the resume or the the job hunting process from what i understand now 100 percent. i mean it so if you don't know that you need to arm yourself with that information so have an answer for if someone says how can i help you whether it's personal whether you're starting your own veteran shooting club and you're trying to find new sponsors like because you or you start a running club like there's going to be people that want to help you and understand that that's typically a genuine statement i mean it's not it's kind of open-ended, too. They are those people that Tyler spoke about. They're passionate, compassionate people that want to give you a little bit of maybe their time, maybe a little, a little, a couple phone calls. You know, Maybe they're just like, hey, call me before you go to your interview, and let's do interview prep. Let me run you through a battery of questions that I would ask. Yeah. Let me let, – okay, let me – if you give me I've – I've done this with many dudes – you give me five minutes to google a company i can figure out some tailored questions to ask you most people are smart enough to do the same thing just turn the map around and think about it not as they're your enemies but that you know that's that's what you're trying to overcome and if you have a freaking panic attack man i didn't have panic attacks so i was getting out of the marine corps if you have one suck it up move on like i haven't had one in a job interview but it it's natural and i promise you there are some feeble-minded betas that are running around out there that uh are probably caving way faster than you. So suck it up. As my debate (laughs) teacher used to say, everybody in there wants you to succeed, not fail. When you walk into a room or you're public speaking, (laughs) wherever you step up to, if you step up to a mic and you have the table, they want you to succeed. So think about that. Not that they're super judging or anything that that might actually mess with your psyche, man. Just think about it in a positive mindset. Go in, crush it, and take some notes on the back end. Yeah,
0: so... It's funny that you bring that up. Everybody wants you to succeed. You're supposed to succeed. When I was jumping out of airplanes yeah. and that parachute was on my back, I would yeah. say, this parachute wants to float. This thing is there you designed go. to float. And I had to tell myself that over and over again, like, this thing is designed to float. I need this thing to float. And so when people, when you're in an interview, people want you to float. There you go. And so I, I would equate it to that. Um, there, You almost at this point as a veteran, because you're – Knowledge and skill set is built on a broad range of experiences, right? A lot of people will get out of college and they'll get one job, whether it's being an accountant or a chemical engineer. Like, that's what they do. Well, guess what? When you're in the military, you get exposed to logistics, production, manufacturing. You get exposed to personnel management. Personnel management. At the
1: lowest level. Even if you only had one person under you, you still were a manager. So you got to turn that word from fire team leader into team leader. Yeah. That's an But they don't they're like, what do you put out fires?
0: Like what what does that mean? You know, like yeah. they're,
1: they're not gonna get that. They don't understand the lingo.
0: But just understand that what you have to offer as a veteran, one needs to be translated, but two is unique in that your experiences, whether you're in the air force, the coast guard, the navy, the marines. Uh, I'm <laughs> pretty sure all they do is frontal assaults, but we can get around that. We can get around that and figure out how we this can. Is be and ready. <clears throat> Land, air, and sea—is that you guys? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. That's the arm uh, but so, <laughs> you're, you're, you're. Don't limit yourself to what you can do because uh, just because you can't articulate it, right? Going back to my political position, I knew what I felt. I just didn't know how to articulate it. You know what you've done. You just don't know how to articulate it. Right. Figure that out and sell yourself because you are your number one advocate.
1: And you're selling yourself. That's, That's it. That is it. So, okay, well, let's go ahead. It's, it's about time to start uh, winding down. Um, what, uh, what else do you need to tell us about Nautic? What, uh, what say rounds you got uh, for that? And then we'll, we'll wrap up some of the, uh, the talking points from, from the employment piece.
0: Yeah, so Nautic, Nautic Bruin uh, opening. Uh, winter, uh, 2019, 2020. We're going to be um, in, a, in a neighborhood that is, uh, you know, kind of, it's been kind of left behind in the progress of the Greenville City redevelopment. Okay. And so a lot of our initiatives are built around employing people to give them opportunities because to me, employment, you know, it's not about leveling the playing field. That is the wrong mindset. That's the, that's the mindset of the socialist. If you level the playing field, you're now expecting the same outcomes for everybody. What you need to do, because that's unrealistic, you can't say that, you know, inner city, uh, inner city uh, four-year-old African-American has the same opportunity as a Kardashian. That's, that's a joke. You cannot level that playing field. But what you can do is give access to that playing field. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to appreciate people's backgrounds, provide job opportunities in the service industry where there's not a greater opportunity to learn transferable life skills, just like the military, where you're exposed to every industry, every aspect of employment whether that's administration, customer service, sales, production, manufacturing, you know, general labor. If, if, I, if I put a felon in our dishwasher and he's washing dishes and he's crushing it, he's doing an awesome job, and now I'll put him on the prep line, now he's making food, then I move him up to head chef, now he has a transferable life skill, he's four rungs up the ladder, and now he can go make a livable wage where before – if I was forced to hire somebody at $15 an hour, now I'm already looking for somebody that has a transferable life skill. That's not the point of minimum wage. Really, the minimum wage should be $0, Chad. If you're forcing me to pay somebody money based on a skill set that I don't think they have, you're outsourcing jobs of people that should be working. So let me, let me rephrase it this way. We're gonna hire people that probably are on their last chance that's where we're at. That's where we're at with Nautic Bruins. But we want to give people, because I've seen it. My dad has used his restaurant as a ministry where we pull people out of poverty. And we've put them in better jobs. The service industry is not supposed to provide for a family of five. It can't. It's impossible. Yeah. There's, the margins are too slim. The profits are not great. The competition is too high for us to pay people that much money. So what we're going to do, we're going to bring people in. You got to have the you got to have the the end game in mind, right? So you got to have the long the, the vision of 5 years from now, not 5 minutes from now. We're going to bring people in. We're going to train them up. We're going to have cooking classes, we're going to have gardening classes, we're going to have brew making classes, which is really a lot of biological sciences and chemical sciences. There's a it's a chemistry lab. You can talk to Steve about it. You yeah. come back there and watch him make beer. It's like he's in a lab. So,
1: yeah, y'all's hops. I mean, y'all
0: use wicked, crazy good hops, and you make
1: outstanding beer. Now, I mean, this all sounds like a community, though, not a a brewery.
0: That's exactly what it is. Wow. How cool is that? We're probably going to have indirectly uh, 500 people working on this project, whether that's –
1: That brings money to Greenville.
0: It's huge. That's great. It's huge. So we're going to have people working for us and working with us, all these jobs, which improves the affluency of the area, right? We're not, we're not in the business of um, – But there's a massive park coming down. There's a big park area. coming, but I mean that's we strategically partnered with Southern Side Neighborhood to show that opportunity is for everyone. Yeah, cool. The outcome is not for everyone. Okay. But we want to show that the service industry is the best place to learn transferable life skills. We're going to have a great product, a great customer experience, this is a place for family and friends to come enjoy beer and great food. Cool. Well, that's, hey, that, I, I love that. So,
1: as we look at what Tyler's brought to the table today, you know, I think it's, it's really cool to be able to hear from somebody who spends day in, day out uh, trying to get vets hired in different places and what it looks like. I mean, our community, we work with. Uh, We've got BMW, uh, their U.S. headquarters and manufacturing is is out here. We've got Michelin, GE, um, you know, there's there's big company floor, a uh, bunch of really big companies out this way that are kind of just nestled in here. And the best way to get into one of those places is to go out and meet somebody. So, as I always say, get out there, go do something, go find somebody that uh, has the same vision is you, whether it's to go fishing or whether it's to go, um, on a, on a veteran trip somewhere. Like if you need a break from life, do it, do it. Like, don't, don't wait. There are places. If you're thinking about getting on the darker side of depression or anxiety and you don't know what to do, reach out, talk to somebody, make a call, call a brother, um, and, and advocate for yourself. If you need help, Finding a job, getting housing, doing pretty much—I mean, hell, fifty percent of our work is uh, is through one one phone number and one organization, and that's the United Way with the two one one program. So just like nine one one, you call two one one, or you get online and go to two one one org. In every city that has a zip code, which is everywhere in the U.S. that I know of, there might be an outlier somewhere, but they have the resources for that community. They're not veteran specific, but they're housing relief, food banks, um, different, different programs that are in your community that you don't know about, tax relief, uh, helping you with your W-2s, stuff like that. So get out there. Uh, if you're not healthy right now, go see a doc. Check on yourself. Check on yourself emotionally, physically, and mentally, man. It's important. Um, but also get out there. Get back into work. Find that P word, the purpose. You get back out there and you get to work and you're gonna find that you're like Tyler said, your lifestyle is gonna improve, your overall overall well being is gonna improve. Um your wife's gonna love you more. That's that see that's huge. I don't have a wife, so I don't know what that Okay, is. your mother's you. gonna love you more. Mom Mom was an awesome lady. So that there you, go. there you go. Cool. But all right. Uh listeners, as always, you can find us on um uh, Amazon as well as iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for uh, giving us a listen. Um, Always awesome to have an officer from the Army come over and uh, be real with us because uh, he brings some insight that, you know, some of us don't think about at times. So, um, Tyler, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you. No matter what country you're in, rock and roll. Enjoy yourself. Go out. Don't sit. Don't sit around on the weekends. You'll, You'll thank me for that and uh yeah thanks chad really appreciate it brother of course man it's a true pleasure true pleasure thanks for all that you're doing for veterans man it makes
0: it's a a huge impact and i've seen the i've seen the 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 fruit of your labor my man same bro just not your balls all
1: right y'all have a good one everybody thank you very much to Nautic brewing thank you as always to uh the lions radio network and blog talk radio uh thanks for tuning in wherever you are uh thank you to greenville and uh Thank you to everyone who has served Simplify. Do
0: I not have